are you a lovely person? Are you a kind person? Are you respectful of other people? Do you treat other people nicely? Uh, and there's probably a really important question to ask next. Does it matter? Do you want to be a nice person? Is it something that drives you on a day-to-day -day basis? If you want to have a reputation of somebody who is a lovely human being, if you care about people, if you want to add value to the world, uh, do we need to think about that really carefully? Do we need to put some things into place to make sure that we are that kind of person? And I ask that very personally because I have all of my life, uh, if somebody said to me, Rowie, are you a nice person? I would always say yes. Uh, but there's a, an interesting thing about the human race, about human nature, is if we don't think about something really carefully, if we don't put something into, into action, if we don't focus on it, is it possible that it can get away with this? And I'll just use this scientific basis for that question. The behavioural scientists will say that there's four stages of learning, four stages of awareness when it comes to being human. And the first one is unconsciously incompetent. So we don't know that we don't know. We don't know that we're not good at something. And we probably don't care because we don't know. Then if we learn about something, we become consciously incompetent. So we learn that we're not good at something. <laughs> Maybe we need to be good at it, but we're not good at it yet. So unconsciously incompetent doesn't matter. We don't know and we don't care. Consciously incompetent means we, we, we want to be good at it, but we're not yet. Then we become consciously competent. So we learn how to do it and we have to think about how to do it really well, uh, but we can do it. And then we become unconsciously competent so we can do it without thinking about it. And the example that is often used there, of course, is driving. So when you're really little, you don't even know that you don't want to drive, so it doesn't matter that you can't. Uh, then when you're a teenager, you want to learn how to drive, but to drive a manual car, for example, is a really you know, you bunny hop the car a few times and you stall and it's difficult to drive. So you want to be able to drive, but you can't and you're learning. Then you learn how to drive and now it's really conscious. I have to think about first gear, clutch, second gear, brake, how do I do a reverse park, how do I uh, merge and we're thinking very carefully about driving. And then uh, if you've been driving for a long time, you might be at the point now where uh, you get in the car and you get to wherever you're going and you don't even realise that you drove there because you're just comp uh, competent at driving. So competent at it that you don't have to think about it, so you're unconsciously competent. So that's the science of all of that. So here's my personal question. Uh, are you unconsciously competent at being a nice person so you don't have to think about it anymore, it's just who you are? Uh, do you have to think about it carefully so you're consciously competent? I need to be nice to that person. I need to be respectful of that person. I need to say please and thank you because it's the right thing to do. I need to impress people uh, so I better say the right thing and do the right thing. And uh, I'm, only, I'm asking these questions because <laughs> as an exercise professional, as somebody who has an educational college that is worldwide, we have literally have students all over the world. Uh, and it's an interesting experience to watch every day how people treat each other and how acceptable or unacceptable behaviour has become. 
and if I ask somebody who's been rude to somebody else, do you think that that was a kind thing to do or a gracious thing to do or, or a respectful thing to do? Sometimes the answer is yes. Even if the person was mean or nasty, they just go, oh, well, that person deserved it and, and uh, I have to be nasty to them because that's just what they deserve or I'm in a bad mood so I've got the right to be nasty. Uh, I'm asking again very carefully because I watch on a daily basis people's feelings get hurt, uh, humans upsetting other humans, humans hurting other humans, and I'm not sure if they do it consciously. I'm not sure if you say to that person, uh, do you want to be a nasty person? Do you want to have the reputation of being a meanie? Do you want to be the person that people say, oh, don't associate with them because they're always really nasty to everybody? I'm pretty sure the answer is no. Uh, I'm going to go a step further. Is it possible that if you are mean, if you're nasty, if you upset people, if you make people angry, that it could affect your career, your business, your ability to earn money, your ability to have great relationships? Uh, and I'm asking again all of those questions for a reason because <laughs> I've watched too many people uh, flush their own career down the toilet lose clients from a personal training business, lose members from a health club, lose clients from a legal practice, uh, lose clients from a beautician's facility. Uh, I, I watch it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and that's, of course, because I'm, I have a business college and people come to me when their business is in trouble. Uh, and the reverse of that is people want to start a business. So how do I make sure that my business is successful? And if I say at the start to somebody, do you think it would be a really good idea to treat all of your customers' clients with respect, to be kind to them, to say please and thank you, to be aware that there's cultural differences, uh, religious differences? I'm pretty sure that most people would say, yes, I think that's a great idea. But I'm going to give you just some simple examples of, of what might happen if you're not consciously competent and I'm saying consciously competent because if you go to the, the next stage, which is unconsciously competent, we get a little, a little bit lazy, I think, yeah? We get a little bit slack. We get a little bit uh, blasé. Oh, look, I'm already good at that, so I don't have to get any better at it. I, I know that I'm a nice person, so I don't have to keep thinking about being a nice person because I know that I am already. Well, <clears throat> I'll give you this example. I walked into a health club. And uh, I had booked in for an, an exercise session, and back then I would call it personal training, and this person was definitely calling themselves a personal trainer. And I walked into the health club, they had never met me before, I booked over the phone, and the very first thing that this person said to me was, you're obviously here to lose weight. Now... <laughs> I don't think that that person was meaning to be rude. I don't think that they were being nasty. I don't think that they wanted to hurt my feelings. I just think that they were ignorant to the ability to build relationships with people and to communicate effectively. Uh, now, I may have been going there to lose weight. I wasn't. So that becomes a real challenge, doesn't it? If you assume that somebody's doing something that they're not going to be doing. Uh, but could that be offensive? And could that be a reason that if it wasn't me, if it was somebody who'd never been to a health club before, they may never come again. Or they don't listen to anything that that person says because they've been hurt. And if you've ever been in that emotional state where somebody said something nasty to you or something that's hurt your feelings, is it possible that you don't listen to anything the person says because your brain is, is into freeze mode, it's into, into stress mode, it's into emotional mode. So uh, there's an interesting example. I'm going to give you another one. 
One of my students just shared with me recently, she has a, a beautiful new partner and her partner had made her lunch for the very first time. And in her lunch, everything she opened, there were little love notes. So when she opened up her lunch box, there was a love note. And when she opened up the sandwich inside the glad wrap, there was a love note. And stuck to the apple or the piece of fruit, there was a little love note. And she was really enjoying this beautiful romantic experience that her new partner had created for her. As she was eating her lunch, uh, a person came to her and unfortunately they were a personal trainer and very loudly in front of the people that could hear, it was in an open space where people were eating their lunch, uh, this person screamed at her and said, don't eat that, do you know how many calories are in that, do you know how many fat grams are in that, do you know how many hours of exercise you'll have to do to burn that off, don't eat that. This little girl, and she was literally a little girl, just a teenager, uh, she burst into tears because she didn't know how to handle that confrontation. Again, I don't think that that personal trainer was wanting to be mean or nasty or cause pain or hurt, but they didn't give it any thought. Uh, the next example is interesting because it's going to be very controversial and there's a lot of people who have an opinion about this particular person. Uh, but I was staying at a hotel in Las Vegas and I was having a really cool conversation with a lady who, that's my little puppy dog, Brutus, who reminds me every day that it's really important to be a happy, positive person. So uh, he's probably the happiest person I know and he happens to be a puppy dog. And uh, that's why I'm surrounding myself. I think you know now if I'm talking about a controversial topic, I always bring my teddy bears or my puppy dogs with me. Uh, this lady uh, worked in a hotel in Las Vegas and her boss was one of the most controversial people in the USA at the time. Uh, she worked at the Trump Hotel and she had, we, we struck up a conversation, we were in another, another part of Vegas, but we were having a conversation about her boss and she was sharing with me how much she loved and respects the entire Trump family. She said, uh, Melania and Mr. Trump are the most beautiful people, they treat me with respect, they tip me more than anybody ever and I work in their hotel. Uh, when, their, when their family comes to the hotel, they're always friendly and respectful and they treat us all beautifully. Uh, they tip us all and we get paid more than the average wage. We get better benefits than most people who work in Vegas. I really like this guy and I really love his family and I'm really proud to call myself an American and a Trump supporter. Now, I share with you this is very controversial because you, just by saying that name, you may, you may have uh, the same opinion as the lady I was talking to. You may ha might have the exact opposite opinion. Anyway, we were having this great conversation, just enjoying our coffee. I'd never met her before, but she was sharing this beautiful conversation with me. And a person came up to us and said, really aggressively, aren't you the, the chick or aren't you the bird from the Trump Hotel? And she very proudly said, yes, I'm, I work in the beauty salon in the Trump Hotel. And this person looked at her and said, your boss is a fucking asshole, and walked away. <laughs> now, it was interesting because uh, this lady didn't know me, um, but she burst into tears and I gave her a big cuddle and we had this really uh, emotional moment. Uh, she said, how can they say that about my boss, about their family? They're such beautiful people. 
Now, again, I'm not sure that that person, and if we ask that person why they said that, they might have a really strong reason for saying that. They might have a really um, deep um, uh, conviction about why they don't like that particular person. But is it possible that whatever opinion we have, that our opinion, if it disagrees with somebody else or uh, it could hurt somebody else, why would we need to share that opinion? Now, maybe that's what that person wanted to do. Maybe they wanted to hurt her because she worked in a hotel and they didn't like the person that owns the hotel. I don't know. What I do know is that I had a lady who I had never met before except for half an hour before who shared with me this beautiful story about somebody that she loved and respected was now in tears. Uh, I don't want to be the person that does that to anybody and I, um, I hope if you are an exercise professional, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a leader, that that is certainly not something that you would like to do to anybody else either. So how do we add value to our world? How do we treat people beautifully? And I'm going to go back to those four stages of learning. Could it be a really good idea to be in a regular conscious competence stage, to be constantly thinking before words come out of our mouth, before we type anything, before we uh, post something on social media, it's so easy, isn't it, to be nasty? Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't like to read social media comments. I just don't. Uh, interestingly, just of the last couple of days, I have uh, found the most beautiful musical experience. And I'm not going to share with you why I love this musical experience. I'm not even going to share with you who it is because I don't want to... I don't want to have this, oh, but I don't like them. They're terrible. Anyway, I found, I've never heard of this particular musical experience before. I found them on social media. And I found them on social media where people can make comments. And I was so excited to find them. And this, the comment section was turned on. And for some reason, you know, on YouTube, the, the comments start streaming. And yes, there were lots of lovely comments about this beautiful musical experience, but there were some nasty, nasty comments about the way these people look, uh, about their music. Uh, there was some, obviously some really diehard classical people who thought that what these people were doing to music was terrible. And they said some really nasty things to the point that there were death threats. I hope you die for what you're doing to, or I could come and, I would love to come and kill you for what you're doing to music. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't we all have our right to, number one, have our own opinion about music, and we've all got different opinions. Uh, if you've got music in you, should you be out there singing <laughs> or playing or doing your thing? And if you're a parent and you have small children or you have kids that want to do something in music or the arts or, or any career path for that matter, could it be a really good idea to want to encourage them to do it? But what do you do now? And I'm not a parent, so I really don't have an answer to this. What do you do when, doesn't matter which artist you are, whether it's music or sport or painting or singing or playing a musical instrument, doesn't matter. If you're good at something, people will say nasty things about you and criticize you. So we've now got to bring up our kids in a world completely understanding that if they're good at something, people are going to hate them for it. Now, people are going to love them for it, but people are going to not only hate them for it, but write really nasty things about it. Uh, and I just, I'm just asking again, before you post anything, before you 
send a message, before you send a, uh, leave a voicemail message, before words come out of our mouth, could we give it some conscious, competent thought? Could we ask ourselves, am I going to add value? Is what I'm going to say add value to my world or detract value from my world? Is what I'm about to say going to make this person feel happy, positive? Uh, will they like? Uh, will they think that I'm a good person or I've got a, a, a nice character because I've said something nice? Or will it detract value from their world? And unfortunately, again, very confrontational, which is why I always bring my bear... <laughs> We live in a world now where it's like the world is split into two. We used to say, well, we shouldn't talk about politics and we shouldn't talk about religion and we shouldn't talk about sexual persuasion. And uh, as an exercise professional now, I'm quite aware that we probably shouldn't talk about eating or exercise because it's so controversial. But now in the world, we have this very distinct line down the middle between a medical intervention or not having a medical intervention, between believing what the government says and not believing what the government says, Uh, by trusting big pharmaceutical companies or not trusting pharmaceutical companies, by believing everything that the media says or not believing what the media says. And there's a big divide. There's a massive divide. Interestingly, because I'm such an old lady, (laughs) it's been interesting to watch over the decades uh, how people normally don't trust the government, don't trust, well, definitely, there's a joke that says, when do do you know that a politician's lying when they open their mouth? That's been a a long-going joke for as long as I can remember. Uh, We often don't trust the media, and we always talk about the media, the news being about bad news, very rarely that we get good news from the media. And we certainly, for as long as I've been alive, have been very mistrusting of pharmaceutical companies. They do wonderful things and create beautiful drugs that help lots of people. But they're also the companies that have had the biggest challenges when it comes to being sued for doing the wrong thing. Now, this is not an argument I want to get into. Please don't get me wrong. What I find really uh, complicated for me as a human being now is how rude and disrespectful we have become of people that have a different opinion to us. And I'm not sure if you've been through this this experience, but in the last two years, so over 2020, 2021, and now into 2022, and if you're watching or listening to this later on in the world and in the future, I really hope that the world's become a better place and we've learned from this experience. Uh, but I cannot, uh, I cannot count the number of times that I've seen people argue to the point of wanting to punch each other about a medical intervention, about whether the government's right or wrong, about whether the media's right or wrong, and about whether or not a pharmaceutical intervention is good or bad. Uh, People in families, in um, workplaces, relationships, partners, uh, parents, and and, uh, I've got so many examples now of parents who can't stay with their children, grown adults, because they have a different opinion about what's going on in the world as far as a, a medical intervention goes. I've got people that have been fired, not because the government said you can't have your job anymore, but because the boss has said you have to do a certain thing my way. <laughs> uh, you, have to, you have to do what I tell you to do about your body. Otherwise, you can't work here anymore. Uh, And there's been horrible arguments and people saying really nasty things to each other. 
Uh, I can't change any of that. I get that, that, that people are going to have an opinion and I get that people are going to defend their opinion. I'm just wondering what it will do to us in the future if we ever look back on that. If, if we are chatting to somebody and we're yelling at them, um, calling them names, calling them... And there's been some horrible names being thrown out. If you were to look back on that or if, if it was filmed and you were to look back on that from the future and go, really, is, is that who I was then? Am I proud of that person? If you, what you're saying to somebody or the argument that you're having with your father or the screaming match you're having with your next door neighbour, if that was caught on camera and then went viral around the world, would you be happy with the reputation, with the consequence of what that argument could bring? And again, this is not an argument about whether or not a medical intervention is good or bad. The question is, who are you as a person? Uh, do you treat people with respect and kindness and their, their, their right to have an opinion, to have a belief, to have a conviction? Or are you trying to change people to your opinion, to your conviction? And again, as 40 plus years as an exercise professional, that's one of those things that has really been, I think, harmful to our profession. I've watched a lot of people yell and scream at other people that you should exercise my way, you should eat my way, you should do what I tell you to do because I've got the right way. And my question is always this, again, very careful because I don't have children, but if you tell your children what to do and if you yell at them and if you, if you try and push them into something, if you try and make them feel guilty about not doing something, do they respond well to that? If you want to get people to change their mind, and my question is always why, <laughs> if you've got the right to have your opinion, surely other people have the right to have their opinion. But if you want to change somebody's mind, if you want to get your point across, could it be a really good idea to use this beautiful skill tool, uh, put it into your knowledge toolbox of seek first to understand before you seek to be understood? Now, that comes from a very uh, a book I'm very passionate about, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And just in the name of the book, it's got to excite you a little bit, doesn't it? The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And that one of the habits is to seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. So something as simple as uh, don't eat chocolate, it's bad for you. What if you said that to somebody at the time that they had just come off an eating disorder and this was the first piece of chocolate that they were trying to eat without feeling guilty. They just wanted to eat a piece of chocolate and really enjoy it. And you came along from the outside not knowing what their background was and you scream at them, don't eat that, it's bad for you. Chocolate's really bad for you, it's got too much sugar in it. We don't know that that's not what happened. Uh, what if you, you uh, and I've seen this happen many times where exercise professionals have said to somebody, you have to eat meat, red meat's the best form of hay am iron. Now that used to come out of my mouth on a regular basis because I was just repeating somebody else's opinion. I had become the expert in somebody else's opinion until it became very clear to me that there were people that don't eat meat for all sorts of reasons, religious reasons, ethical reasons. People love animals, so they just don't want to eat animals. There are some religions where you, you are literally sinning if you eat an animal. Uh, I don't want to put anybody into that position. So why wouldn't I ask first? Tell me about you. Tell me about that. Why do you believe that? Why is that important to you? 
and find out about the person, the other person. Seek first to understand before we seek to be understood. Now, we all have the right to our opinion. Yes, of course we do. And if you really feel it's important to get your opinion across, could it be easier to get it across if you listen to what the other person's got to say first? Now, you might listen to what the other person's got to say and think to yourself, well, that person's an idiot and I don't want to associate with them because everything they just said to me is stupid. And you have the right to walk away. But would it be nice to find that out before you preach at them and teach them and tell them what to do? Because could that be a waste of time? Because they're not going to change their opinion either. <laughs> tippy-toe is an interesting expression. Should we tippy-toe into a conversation? Should we ask questions before we preach, teach and tell so that we don't hurt anybody's feelings, we don't offend anybody, we don't upset people? Uh, there are so many times in my career path where I have just said such stupid things and as the words have come out of my mouth, I wish that I could pull them back in and, oh, why, why did I say that? Uh, and yes, I've lost clients and I've lost members and I've lost friendships and I've lost very important people in my life because I didn't think carefully about what I was about to say. Uh, and then you might think that you know something, so you become consciously, uh, unconsciously competent. Yeah, I know that already. So I have a, a great example of inviting some very special people to my house for dinner. And usually I'm a very good hostess and I, and I love uh, socialising, but I just didn't give it any thought. And I cooked the most magnificent, magnificent spaghetti bolognese. I tried to say those two words together. And of course, when these people arrived for dinner and I served up dinner, these people didn't eat beef uh, for religious reasons. So I hadn't even given it any thought. I just, you know, I'm really good at cooking spaghetti, so I'm going to cook spaghetti and they're going to love it. So I, <laughs> I gave myself a serious uppercut. Now I know not to do that again. Uh, I want to be a kind, loving, respectful person. How about you? Uh, there's so many times where I wish that I could change what I've done. But of course we can't. We can only learn from what we've done and become wiser, better, stronger, more conscious of. And that's why I'm really aware of not being in that uh, unconscious competence, thinking that I know already how to do that. Uh, as an exercise professional, teaching classes is a classic. I'm sure you've seen our group exercise instructors that are unconsciously competent. They're really good at teaching class. But they've forgotten the special things about learning people's names and welcoming people to the class and, uh, and helping people through the class and, and creating different levels of exercise for people to do during the class. They just do the class the way they know because that's what they're really good at rather than how can I make this class, this time, the very best class it can possibly be. And I'm going to use Vegas as an example again. There's a really great story about a uh, performer in Vegas who was a bit over it. He'd been playing every night for five or longer years. Every night, I think they have one night dark. So six nights a week, constantly, constantly, constantly. And his parents came uh, to watch him perform. And he made a comment to his mum or dad and said, you know, I'm a bit over it. You know, I've been doing this six nights a week for the last whatever number of years. And mum and dad gave him some really great advice, which... I then took into my, put into my toolbox for all the teams that I've ever been a leadership uh, part of a leadership team for. They said to their son, in the audience tonight, there will be somebody that's travelled from somewhere either in a state of America or maybe from the other side of the world just to see you. 
they've spent their life savings, they've traveled for hours and hours, whether it's in a car or a plane, they've spent money on accommodation, they've bought new clothes. This is the night of their life. They're waiting for the most wow experience of a lifetime and you're talking about being over it. <laughs> Every time you go on stage, please perform as the person who is performing for the, the, the group of people or the one person that's traveled a million miles to get there and spent all of their life savings to have the one night of their life. And for me, that was a very special story because as an exercise professional, and I used to teach 15 classes every week in the same health club for the last part of my career, uh, it became very uh, apparent to me that I needed to be consciously competent. That every single class I needed to think about how can I make it better? How can I make it more interesting? How can I make it more fun? How can I add more value? And how do I, or why do I have to, and how can I be really aware of what comes out of my mouth. Do I need to be really careful? So whatever your opinion is about the current state of the world, which political persuasion you are, which religious belief you have, uh, whether you think a medical intervention is right or wrong, whether you think the government's doing a good job, whether you think the, uh, the pharmaceutical companies are doing a great job, whether you think the media is doing a great job, is it possible that there are people who think the opposite? And before we just go, whack, I think the government sucks and I think that this is terrible and I think that that's bad and you shouldn't eat that and you have to exercise this way, what if we seek first to understand before we seek to be understood? And I'll go a step further, do we need to be understood? Couldn't we just listen and be nice people? If you like who you are, if you respect who you are, if you believe that you have the right opinion, belief and conviction then how about be really happy with that? And if you need to change the world, could it be a great idea to change the world one person at a time with kindness and style and grace rather than aggression and force? Could that be a great question?